Hello and welcome to One Star Bazaar, where we review the movies critics hated in search of the unfairly underrated. This week we review the sequel? Reboot? Sequaboot? Of the popular Men in Black franchise without any of the original cast. Men in Black International was directed by F. Gary Gray, written by Mart... Uh, Mart. Art? <laughs> Art Markham. Mart and Markham. <laughs> Art Markham and Matt Holloway, released in theaters June 14th, 2019, starring Chris Hemsworth, Tessa Thompson, Kumail Nanjiani, Nanjiani, and Liam Neeson. The men in black have always protected the Earth from the scum of the universe. In this new adventure, they tackle their biggest and most global threat to date, a mole in the Men in Black organization. Dun, dun, dun. dun. M-I-B-I has a 23% on Rotten Tomatoes. I think they did market it as... Oh, M- yeah. M-I-B-4? It's M-I-B colon M-I-B-I, I, I think. Yeah. Anyway, M-I-B International has a 23% on Rotten Tomatoes, a 38% on Metacritic, and was liked by 75% of Google users, to no one's surprise. <laughs> I In, think that's surprising. Oh, I'm well, just saying the fact that Google users generally liked it. Well, compared to the Cats one, that like 75 well, we, is high. We already discussed why that is. Amy Nicholson of Film Week had this to say, This is just a good, quality, second-base summer blockbuster. Very big, bold, and funny. Second base? like So it's like half of a home run, or like... I don't know. <laughs> okay. Matthew Rossa of Salon.com said, Every so often a movie gets so thoroughly shellacked by critics that when you see it and realize it's actually quite good, you can't help but feel sorry for the filmmakers. That's quite, uh... I don't know, that's kind of heartwarming. <laughs> Darren Franich of Entertainment Weekly said, International is better than Men in Black 2 and worse than Men in Black 3. And they're all bad, so erase this sentence from your memory. <laughs> Okay, this movie is available for streaming on Stars, and we will go ahead and watch it and then jump right in. So, reuniting. Do you ever do like sound effect things? Like, yeah. we're back, you know, okay. I have to find some that are okay. not copyrighted. Oh, I guess I can make my own. I could, I could do it. Okay. I'll just give you a bunch. All right. So reuniting the popular duo of Tessa Thompson and Chris Hemsworth. They were in Thor Ragnarok together. Yes. How is the acting in this movie? Um, I think it's fine. I think my biggest criticism is of Chris Hemsworth and how he literally is just playing the same character of, that he played in Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. But he, it's weird because... In the first two Thors, he was much more serious. Which I hated him in the right, first two Thors. Right, I know. Thors, so. Well, and a lot of people... <laughs> I mean, those are two of the worst Marvel movies, so... You're forgetting about the Hulks. No, I'm remembering <laughs> those. I said some of the worst. I didn't say the worst. You said and for the two record, of the... Yeah, okay. I said they're both some of the worst. The Incredible Hulk from 2000-whatever, 8? Yeah, I don't the know. The second one with Edward Norton? Better than at least one of those Thor movies. <laughs> um... Never saw the Amy one because so he was like more straight laced and kind of British medieval god whatever 
Yeah. In the at the start of his Thor arc, and then later on, he kind of got beat down and just, you know, became a little snarkier. I mean, they wrote him to be more kind of funny, and that's basically what he. But also like kind of arrogant, right? Yeah. I think it works better as Thor. Yeah. But also mainly because we've seen him before being. Like, we saw him in that character dating Natalie Portman, and now he gets dumped, and he's kind of like, oh, my wife, whatever. And, of course, there's a funnier payoff because his arrogance really punches him in the gut with the Avengers movies later on, you know, where he kind of feels like a failure. Yeah. He becomes this fat, drunk, whatever, and becomes the comic relief in that respect, right? Yes, the dude of the Avengers. So jumping back into this, it doesn't work as well because we don't have any idea who his character was before this. He just kind of seems like a jerk. Yeah. I mean, he seems like the guy, he's like the really popular guy in school who doesn't need to impress anybody because everyone already like worships him. But then he grows up and doesn't like really improve himself as an adult. Yeah. So he's still just like that same person, but still like gets away with stuff. It's funny because on the one hand, I want to criticize his acting by being like, oh, he's playing the same character. But on the other hand, his character kind of... Like, he's a jerk and I don't like it. So in a way, I'm like, oh, maybe I should respect him and his acting because yeah. he's obviously yeah. being effective yeah. at playing that it's role. That's why I hate Charlotte Flair, because <laughs> she's just so darn good at her job. At being a heel, yeah. Yes. So, I mean, Tessa Thompson was was fine. Liam so Houston. she's she's the straight man to his, like... Brashness. Yeah. Right. So I guess going into... Now we're just talking about more about characters versus acting. Because yeah. whatever. The acting, like any big blockbuster movie, generally the acting is fine. When you have... These are professionals. It's the same thing in sports. Like when you're at the high, the major league level, like yeah, some might suck compared to others, but they're all better than normal. <laughs> the common <laughs> peasants like us. So it's hard to really be that critical. Unless something's glaringly bad, right? Mm-hmm. So... The characters is more what to kind of go with, and it's interesting that they've basically done a swap between the original duo of Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones. They've kind of swapped it, so now instead of the new rookie whatever being the brash loudmouth to the more solemn kind of calculating veteran, veteran, (laughs) now we have the young rookie is somewhat brash because she's a rookie and she kind of barged her way in. You know, she, she found them her lifelong obsession because she knew they were out there. You know, you've learned that in the beginning. In the trailer. Yeah. When she was a kid, like she experienced, you know, came across the men in black and she's been looking for them her whole life, but she doesn't know where in the government to go to try to get a job there basically. Right. Yeah. She's brash because she's a rookie. However, she is more straight laced. Whereas we have, the veteran is the kind of cocky, you know, loudmouth yeah. guy. Um, I kind of like that because it feels familiar, but it also feels different. Yeah. Because of the swap. And also, you know, he's not that much older than her. Right. So um, you don't have that dynamic of like the old dude and the young partner or whatever. Yeah, so I don't I don't want to talk about this story too much in comparison to the other movies. Okay. But just if this was kind of <laughs> <laughs> So if this was kind of a I mean obviously it can't be a standalone movie because you have to know who the men in black are sure. for this 
movie to make sense. But you could only watch the first Men in Black and then just watch this You could. You, not, you don't need to watch the second and third one. Yeah. Um, you'd be a little bit confused about where Zed went, but other than that... <laughs> That's fine. Because there's... The whole, oh, but, at the beginning. The, yeah, but the whole point is that they're in a, the movie takes place in a different branch. You know that it's the international... They're in the London branch. Yeah, you don't, but she starts out in the original but who New cares? York branch. So Clearly, the I point care. is, if there's multiple branches, <laughs> then there's plenty of directors of branches. Yes, you know, it's true. She could be the New York South versus the New York North branch. Right, you know, whatever. Fine, valid points. Okay. Anyway, how's the story in this movie? It's the typical, you know, aliens want to take over Earth scenario. Mm, no, well, kinda. Yeah, I guess. Is that all aliens ever want to do? Take over the Earth? In yeah, movies? for some reason, I don't know why they think we're that cool. <laughs> So this movie is a very classic example of what I like to call the nostalgia reboot sequel. And I don't have a better way to describe it. But that period was pretty described. I did. Yeah, the you the, the what'd you say? I called it the, a sequiboot. Sequiboot. Okay. Yes. But let me add in the nostalgia factor. So in the last few years this has become a big thing where you have Star Wars Force Awakens, Terminator Genesis. Um, Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters, sure. <laughs> the point is, oh, Jurassic World. Mm -hmm. That's the big. That's another big yeah. one. It's a sequel, but it also is a reboot because in this, it's it's basically starting a new chapter in the story, where we're getting a new cast of characters and a new kind of string, you know, arc of events. But that in are separate, an established universe. An established universe. But it's playing a lot on the nostalgia of the original, and so it hits a lot of the same beats. Yeah. So in the way that people were kind of, some people were critical of Force Awakens because it very much had a similar formula to A New Hope. Mm -hmm. In the same way that Jurassic World is literally just Jurassic Park all <laughs> over again. In the exact same way that Terminator Genesis is literally just the same story as the original in a sort of alternate timeline because, of course, that whole universe involves timelines and yes. time travel but it's so it's literally just the same you know sarah connor and whatever john character. connor no the, the terminator no the calories calories okay calories um, <laughs> just like in the first terminator he goes back to save her now you know he goes back to save her but then the timelines are different everything's different and then anyway so that's the phrase i like to use the, the nostalgia reboot sequel right because it hits all these same notes and it you know kind of paves the way towards a new thing that's what this is this is literally the first movie all over again yes. right you have the rookie that comes in gets paired with this veteran um there's basically the MacGuffin, which in the first movie was the galaxy in this movie it's like a belt yeah it's in this movie it's basically a super weapon but it's the same thing you have it's different forces it's literally a giant thing compressed into a small it's a star. thing <laughs> it's a star that has basically been compressed into a handheld nuclear like cannon not to be confused with the galaxy compressed into a marble, marble. <laughs> yes I don't remember why they wanted that, why it was so important in the first movie. At the end of the movie, they're literally just playing marbles with it. <laughs> no, they're playing marbles with our universe in a marble. Oh, okay. Anyway, it's very strange. <laughs> the point is, it was some very valuable thing that different factions were going to go to war over, 
in this case, in this movie, it turns out, you know, it's different factions already kind of at war who are trying to get it because it's the super weapon that can win the war for them, right? Yeah. And, of course, we as the humans, the men in black, whatever, job is to protect the Earth and keep this weapon out of the hands of the bad guys. Mm-hmm. Um, or is it? Or is there? So, <laughs> the story is not original, I guess is what I'm going with. But at the same time, it's it's comfortable. And it's, it's I mean, it's easy enough to follow along. Like, uh-huh. sure, it's formulaic, but that that works. Mm-hmm. Formulas exist for a reason, because mm-hmm. they work. <laughs> right. One more thing that I wanted to talk about is, I feel like this movie is kind of, I'm let down that they, like, reveal that it's really dumb that her name is Agent M because her name is Molly. Like... How did you not know that from the first movie? In the first movie, his name starts with J. He becomes Agent J. No, I thought it was just like random. Like he gets assigned Agent J because the old Agent J died. And now, yeah. So are you telling me that Agent K becomes Agent K because his name starts with K? It's like Kevin or Kurt or. Yeah, Kevin Brown. Kevin. Uh Uh-huh. So what do you think O's name is? Odette? Ophelia? Yeah, something like that. Probably, like, like Olivia. Oh, yeah, that'd be more normal. That's yeah. <laughs> what I came up with. Well, I feel stupid now. Right, and uh, so Dr. Laurel Weaver is the girl in the first movie who becomes Agent L. Mm-hmm. And then he makes the joke about how she wanted to go back to the morgue, so he, you know, flashed her. Neuralizes her. Yeah, and she goes back to her normal life. Well, okay yeah. then. I'm apparently... St- you know what's funny is you would be Agent J and I would be Agent M. I'm not as cool as Will Smith. Sure you are. In your dreams. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I definitely thought the movie was engaging. What about you? Uh, I actually kind of like this movie. Like... <laughs> <laughs> I to the point where I don't understand why everybody hated this movie so much. This is basically the Terminator Genesis all over again. We did love Terminator. I don't Genesis. know. I mean, I'm not saying Terminator Genesis or in this case or Men in Black International. I'm not saying they're great movies. They're perfectly serviceable summer blockbuster movies. Yeah, and one of the things we have mentioned before on the podcast, so I'm not going to like beat it to death, but is that those big summer blockbuster movies typically don't do well critically. Right. Because they're not doing anything new. They're not doing anything super creative that a critic is like, oh, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. But it doesn't have to. It makes money. It's fun to watch. Like, what's the problem? Right. I don't, you know, it makes me wonder if we just have a problem in our society where we consume so much more media now that it makes it very obvious when things are less original or more formulaic or just don't live up to the standards that we set in our own minds. And I think sometimes we just have false, uh, like impossible expectations that can't be met. Yeah. And I feel like this, this, the same kind of thing happened with star Wars, the new star Wars trilogy. And I'm not going to get into it. There's a lot that can be criticized about it. There's a lot that maybe gets unfairly criticized. Like I say, I'm not going to go into it and defend or attack or anything. I'm just going to say, I feel like that was a case of impossible expectations 
that a lot of people felt let down, but it's like nothing was going to ever live up to what you're talking about your childhood and the happiness and memories you have from seeing, having these wonderful like movie experiences as a child. Like you can never recapture that. Right. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you can, I guess you can get close, but it's just so hard, especially when it's something so big. And obviously men in black is not nearly on the level of star Wars, but at the same time, you and I were like, what, 12 when the first one came out? Yeah, we were young. So definitely Men in Black. I mean, you have fond memories of Men in Black when you were a kid? Like, it was uh, like it was yes. an awesome movie when we were <laughs> kids, it. right? Teenagers. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it was pretty original and cool, and um, it was fun. And Will Smith was in his prime summer blockbuster age. And, uh, yeah, I mean... And one of, one of the things that confuses me about this movie, too... Is so people say it was like a box office flop, and granted, studios are always very cagey about how, how much, much they spent on marketing yeah. and sure. whatever else. But the budget for this movie was supposedly 110 million dollars, okay. and worldwide it made 245 million dollars. So even though it didn't, I doubt you can spend 250 million dollars on like you mean 150 million dollars on like advertising, can you? Well, I mean, you also, you gotta also realize like those ticket sales. A certain percentage still has to go to the theater. Yeah. A certain percentage is gonna go towards. I mean. I mean, so maybe <laughs> it... the actors might have gotten you know an extra bonus yeah. on the profits or what or the revenue. You know. Yeah. Who knows? But it wasn't like. It was not a flop. It didn't like completely lose money. Like, no. It's it. one of those movies where <laughs> when they go to HBO and say, "Hey, give us." however many millions of dollars to have the rights to stream this for the first year when they go start selling it on DVD and they get a couple bucks for every DVD that gets sold when they, you know, if they sold any merchandise, whatever, it's one of those movies. I have to imagine at some point and not, uh, you know, not in the too far of the future, it will certainly reach that point where it becomes, it crosses over the profitability line. Yeah. So I wouldn't lose sleep if I was one of those, you know, Hollywood people banking on it, like, you're fine. Like, it wasn't, it wasn't a hit the way they wanted. It didn't yeah. make a billion dollars. It didn't come out and reboot the whole thing the way Jurassic World did. But, I mean, nobody's, like, losing their job over it, I would hope. Yeah. I don't know. So you mentioned you did enjoy this movie. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was fun. It was fine. Like I say, it was... Not original, but I'm yeah. also not expecting any amazing originality. When you're talking about the fourth movie in a series, what I think is interesting is something like this gets hit for, you know, maybe they say, you know, I don't, I didn't read a lot of critical reviews that they said, you know, that were negative. Obviously, we have our kind of somewhat positive ones we try to get, get blurbs from. But yeah. if people criticize this and say, oh, it's just, it's not original, it's too formulaic, whatever... I'd like to introduce you to half of the Marvel movies. Yeah. <laughs> where literally the whole plot is good guy has some sort of power or weapon or armor or whatever that makes him a superhero. Introduce bad guy who has the evil version of the exact same thing. <laughs> and then they fight. Like, that's literally how... I mean, Black Panther, Iron Man, Ant-Man. Like, they're all the same... They all hit the same beats. Yeah. They just do it with, you know, yeah, I mean, they make themselves original in the sense of, you know, what they do with the rest of the story, but, like, Hollywood, like, 
Hollywood's not original. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know what you expect. This is what I was saying with the possible expectations. I'm like, what do you guys expect? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, yes, okay, there's a twist. Because you find out who the mole is. We mentioned there's a mole in Men in Black. That's kind of the big yeah. you know, mystery or whatever, right? There's a mole. And one of the reviews I mentioned. It's not that surprising yeah, who it is. One of the reviews <laughs> I, I read was like, and yeah, you're not going to be surprised. Like, who the At mole all. is? No kidding, right? And it's like. Yeah, any movie. Like, it was like when we were watching Lone Ranger. Like, any... Yeah, you could almost watch... You could you could give me the setup and whatever, and I'm going to be like, uh, 80% is that guy. Like, yeah. I'd put money on it. Like, if you gave me 10 movies, and all let me watch the first however long until, you know, the, the basically the setup, let me watch the first half of 10 movies... And then let me bet on who the bad guy turns out to be. I'd probably I'd make money because I'd be able to bet on each one, and I would probably be right seventy or eighty percent of the time. Yeah. Just kind of going with the formula. Oh yeah, it's always the evil rich business leader, <laughs> or oh, it's always the guy who says, "I told you not to trust anyone." You know. Yeah. <laughs> that means me. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. So maybe this movie was a little bit formulaic or a little bit repetitive from the previous movies. But what did this movie do? well like what did it like how did it stand out on its own did i don't it? know nothing really stood out for me to be honest yeah. that's maybe that's the problem that this movie has is that it is kind of formulaic but it also just nothing there's no specific part that was really cool okay i'm trying to think and i'm like okay there was kind of like a chase scene yeah yeah i'm trying I to feel think like what it, action I scenes like there were fairly eh. forgettable it was pretty forgettable yeah. I guess that's the biggest criticism. I mean, it's fun while you're watching it, but it's it's not one of those movies that's going to, like, stay with you. Um, Kumail, Kumail Nanjiani. Uh-huh. Kumail Nanjiani. Anyway, um, so he's on Silicon Valley. I love that show. He's hilarious on that show. Didn't really love his character in this. He's the Oh, little you did it? I just... I was, did. Okay, that's fair. I just, I don't know. It didn't... There was nothing super special about his little comic relief sidekick kind of character that yeah. he does. It wasn't bad. Well, I'm not I mean, saying it was a bad guy. I didn't hate him. Though. Like, he wasn't a Jar Jar Binks. He was just kind of like a... He didn't hey. necessarily... Hey. Be nice to Ahmed best. Hey. Okay. I didn't say him. I just said his <laughs> character. I think we all can establish it's George Lucas's fault, not his <laughs> fault. I should think I was going to make a point about that in our Cats episode, but um, anyway... He just didn't necessarily elevate it yeah. for me. He just was kind of... It was like the other actors. They're just kind of, yeah, going along with it. It was all pretty blah. Yeah. And it didn't have any, like, super memorable quotes either. Right. Like, I feel like the first <laughs> movie and... Oh, yeah. It's so quotable. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, it looked like Edgar. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't Edgar. Edgar suit. wearing an Edgar suit. Yeah. Yeah. And... Um, the stuff with like the cricket gun uh-huh. and things like that that just kind of I gotta stick drive. With you. I gotta drive. That's just how I get down. Like we quote that all the time <laughs> to each other. <laughs> um, Usually it's but, for the opposite because neither of us want to be the one. Yeah, neither of us wants that. Wants <laughs> no, you, it's your day. You drive. <laughs> but yeah, I think it kind of was a little like, bland in retrospect, but while you're watching it, it's perfectly entertaining and fine. So compare it, as the critic did, to the second and third movies. 
Okay, well... Keep in mind, it's probably been a while since either of us have seen the second one. It has been a while since I've seen I the second one. I saw the third one for the first time like a year or two ago when yeah. it was on HBO or I rewatched the third one not that long ago. Yeah. I did cry in that one. <laughs> but, uh, well, that one's fun because it has like the whole time travel thing. No, that one is amazing in the ways that, like, um, what's his name? Thanos. Oh, Josh Brolin. Josh Brolin, yeah. Like Thanos. Like in bodies, Tommy Lee Jones. Josh Brolin is amazing as the young version of Tommy Lee Jones' character. Like, he is so good at... I mean, he's just phenomenal. Like, it's... Yeah, and I I also do really like the the storyline with the the main guy, the one that everyone's trying to kill. The, like... The guy who can see all the different universes. Yeah, who can see all the different universes. Yeah. Yeah. Um... I enjoyed his storyline with all of it, but... It was a little weird, I think, that it was kind of a stretch, and you got into the whole... Yeah, but I feel like with a Men in Black movie especially, no, it's weird, like, yeah. it's already out there. I so... think, I think the, the biggest weakness in Men in Black 3 might have been... See, I don't want to... I don't want to say this... I'm not, I don't mean this the way I'm going to say it, but probably the villain and that kind of whole thing was a little weak, but at the oh, same time, he, like, yeah, I he love... just, he just wants to kill Kay. That's just, that's just yeah, his I don't thing. Remember. And it's just like, I'm like, Jermaine Clement is great. Yeah. <laughs> but just the way that they, cre- it wasn't his acting or anything. It was just the way that they kind of created the storyline with that character. And it was just like dumb. Yeah. It was just kind of like, meh. so S. Gary do. Gray, he's done some good, some decent. Wow. It's interesting. He actually has done some pretty kind of mediocre to good, like, action-y films, you know? Yeah. Right? I mean, like, Italian Job is not an amazing film as a remake, but it's fun. It's enjoyable. It's fun. Um, Fate of the Furious, same kind of thing. You just, you know, it's a dumb, big, summer blockbuster popcorn film. Like, you don't expect, you expect The Rock to jump over an airplane. Yeah. You know? Or, like, a helicopter with the blades going, and just, like... I feel like with a Men in Black movie, though, like... That's what you can expect as well. You kind of expect the ridiculous popcorn flick. I mean, I guess the with the first two, there's probably a little more like humor than I feel like there is in this one. Mm-hmm. But overall, I don't think that makes it a worse movie. Mm-hmm. It's still fun to watch. Yeah. I'd be interested to see if Tessa Thompson has much staying power. Because she's been in a lot of things in the last, like, five years. hmm And I feel like it's kind of like sports, where there's always the next class that's coming to take your job, you know? Well, and, I yeah, there's like more a... media. Yeah. So there, you know, you always are like, oh, what's this actor doing? And they were big. And, uh, you know, when we get in a couple of the other movies that we're going to watch this in, over the next few weeks, you know, there's that, that kind of happened where I'm like, what is... Why did why was she not in more things, you know? Yeah. What um, happened to that guy? Yeah, and so I'll be interested to see if... Because she's really been in a lot of, like, big kind of movies. Yeah. You know, for being someone who you're like, yeah, five years ago, Tessa Tommy like, who? You know? Mm-hmm. So. So she's overall. She's So she's so, older than us. 36. Barely. I'm just saying, the point is, <laughs> it's not like she's... A, 23 year old that just no, got no spring here. chicken oh you know she's probably been you know trying to bust in for a while yeah so overall then 
I think both of us agree Men in Black International is a perfectly fine, enjoyable movie experience. Yeah, and uh, I would say it's not a one-star movie. Definitely not. I, I definitely don't feel like it is. I'd say it's like a high two. Like, I can easily see a version of this movie that is a three-star, three-out-of-five-star movie. Yeah. Which, you know, for me, I know everybody kind of has their different ideas of what that means, but for me, a three-star movie is like the mi- minimum, middle-of-the-road, like, yeah, this is an okay movie, you would... You'd want to go see it, you know, you would recommend it. You'd say it's it's all right, you know, it's there's nothing wrong with it, right? Yeah. And a lot of kind of a lot of the decent, dumb summer blockbuster popcorn flicks are that that's kind of where they fall, you know, plus mm-hmm. or minus. Um and I feel like that's where this is. I this movie was released in the summer, right? Yeah. I don't know. It may it really makes me wonder. I wonder if it's just, like, Men in Black, just nobody cares. There wasn't enough nostalgia, as they hoped, the way there was on, like, Jurassic Park. Yeah, maybe. Or whatnot. I mean, or maybe just they underestimated how important, like, Will Smith was for that franchise. Because yeah. maybe, maybe they just didn't pick a cast that really wowed enough and said, oh, yeah, you know, I'm definitely seeing that. Because, I mean, like, we didn't see this in theaters. Mm-mm. Now, granted, we are much more selective. <laughs> These days, because we have children and it's a pain to get a babysitter or to find the time where both of us are, like, off and, you know, free from other activities and, you know, work. obligations. <laughs> well, not even work. I mean, outside of, like, like, obligations as far as, you know, our extracurricular activities and hobbies and whatnot mm-hmm. in our lives. Um, it's harder to have stuff line up. Where we can just be like, oh yeah, let's just go. I mean, there's a guy on Reddit who every year is like, here's the 120 movies I saw this year in theaters. And I'm like, hey, cool, man. More power to you. But what, like, what, what is your life? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> like know? when I was in college on my days off, there were easily days I could see like three movies a day. Right. And I would love, if I'm retired, <laughs> I would love to have some sort of a movie pass, you know, theater subscription, whatever, where I can literally be like, oh yeah. Every week on, you know, Thursdays, I go watch two movies or whatever. The movies. That'd be great. But not while I have to work to pay the bills, so. Yeah. <laughs> so please, please buy all of our One Star Bizarre merch so I can quit my job. <laughs> just kidding. The merch know, that we, we don't, don't have. have. Yeah. <laughs> we just do this for fun. You can support us on Patreon, though, if you feel like it. Um, yeah, so overall, I mean, I, de- I definitely wouldn't tell people to, like, avoid this movie either. No. Like, I think it's... It's not one of those things where you have to remove it from the context of oh, no. the originals. Like, it's a completely serviceable, fine movie. It's, and it's fun it's, to watch. It's not the worst. Like, this movie is like a bad James Bond film. Or not even... This movie is like a James, a mediocre James Bond film. You know what I mean? Like, imagine if they made ten more Men in Blacks, and you just and they were all up and down and kind of all over, and some were mediocre, and one or two were like, wow, that's amazing, you know? Okay, Mission Impossible, kind of to be closer to that analogy, because there's only, what, like six or seven Mission Impossibles? Yeah, there's a few. So, like, one or two of the Mission Impossibles are really bad, or pretty bad, right? Yeah. Most of them are, like, one or two are really good, and then most of them are all just kind of like that generic, middle-of-the-line, decent action films. Yeah. If you had a few more of these, I feel like this would not nearly be the worst, It'd be just one of your garden variety, middle-of-the-road ones. Yeah. So, yeah. We'll definitely see more Men in Black films. Possibly. We really will. I'm sure. They're not going to... Hollywood doesn't have any better ideas. (laughs) 
I mean, I don't know if they would... Maybe they won't use the same characters and do a sequel just because if this didn't make enough movie uh, money, if this doesn't make enough money, then, you know, that might put those plans on hold, but... Yeah. I really wonder why. I think that a Chris Hemsworth action-y sci-fi kind of movie would... So the point is, Men in Black International, not a one-star movie, not too bad. If you like Men in Black, generally, you'll probably enjoy this movie. Yeah. I mean, I honestly... I honestly can't figure out why you wouldn't. Yeah. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of One Star Bazaar. As always, you can reach out to us on social media to let us know what you think or what you'd like us to review next. Please rate and review. It lets us know you're listening, and we do truly appreciate your feedback. Next week, we visit the gritty streets of 1930s in New York City and review a superhero movie that hasn't managed to spawn any reboots or sequels since its 1994 release. Spoiler alert, it's not a comic book superhero. (laughs) The Shadow.